Hey, welcome to the New Life Church. Glad to have you guys with us. I want you to know right off the bat, this is not my costume. Some of you saw me in the lobby and you saw me limping and you're like, man, he really stays in character well. I'm going to have him in my next drama. No, I don't do that very well. But I will tell you what's happening in just a minute, okay? So thank you guys so much for being here. We're wrapping up our current teaching series called what? No offense. No offense. Week one. If you guys remember back to week one, if you were here, if you weren't, then maybe you watched online. If you didn't watch online, you can still get all of the material at mynewlifechurch.com, and you can click on our watch uh, on-demand stuff, and you can see all of our, uh, all of our sermons. Uh, everything I've said is out there online. Actually, scary enough uh, for as long as it stays there, which is probably forever. Um, so I should probably watch what I say, right? Um, so look, first week, week number one, we, we discussed the idea of what if you could live your life unoffendable? And I heard from this very audience a gasp, like, oh, how dare he mention that? Like, like uh, unoffendable? I like being offended. It gives me power. It makes me feel good about myself. Like, I'm justified in my offense. And we just discussed the idea of, like, well, man, we should live our lives unoffendable. Then week two, week two, we talked about those people. Remember those people? Those people that offend you. Those people that do things you don't like. Those people who vote differently than you. Remember those people? And then we flipped the tables and we said, well, what if you are those people? And we discussed that for a little while. Then last week, we talked about bitterness and the root of bitterness and how to keep bitterness out of your life and when bitterness is allowed to live, like what it does to the attitude of, of forgiveness and what it does to the, 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 the idea of an offense, right? And we had a, we had a guest speaker uh, last week. I wasn't the one speaking. Uh, we had a uh, hamburger from McDonald's was here speaking. Um, actually, it was Pastor Chris. Pastor, he, this is what... This is what he preached in, and um, I, I didn't really know why he did that, but I figured it out. He, he, forgot, he forgot that this week was Candy Palooza. He thought it was last week, right? And so um, anyways, we're, we were thankful. Chris brought a great message. You're going to want to listen to it. Today, I want to talk to you about, in wrapping the series up, forgiveness, especially, especially forgiveness when it seems impossible, so on Monday, on Monday, I was out on the, the streets of Denver with our entire pastoral team, okay? And we were out there to do something strategic. We were out there to serve the needs of the homeless. And we had partnered with uh, a ministry called the, the, the Denver Dream Center. We went out where the tents are in downtown Denver, and we were going tent to tent, ministering to people, praying with them, encouraging them, bringing some dignity, giving them water, clothing, snacks. I'd been out there for about 15 minutes. I had my back to a full parking lot. I was standing partly in a handicap stall right near a sidewalk, and in front of me were, were tents, and right on the other side of that single row of tents was a one-way street. And I'm standing there talking to three people that live in these tents, and one was a gentleman. He was standing right in front of me, and then over here to my right was two ladies. And I was just having eye-to-eye -eye conversation, right? Because that's dignity. That's love, right? Hearing their story. And then all of a sudden, the man looked beyond me. I don't know if you've ever had that happen to you before. You're, you're talking to someone. You're making eye contact with them. And then all of a sudden, they're looking at something that's behind you. 
Well, look, I've been out on the streets. I've done a lot of ministry with people who live on the streets. I know that weird things happen sometimes. So I just kept looking the man in the eye, but it happened in a brief moment of a second. Something came out of his mouth. He took a big step to his right, and then all of a sudden, the next thing I knew is a car has hit me from behind, and I'm on the hood of the car, and they run out into the street, and they turn on the one way, and I go off the car about 50 feet later. And um, I don't know how far I was in the air. I don't know any of that stuff. The police won't give me the, the video. Um, they say it's an active crime scene. It's not an accident. They said when they watched the video of the vehicle driving in the parking lot, they came down a lane, and then they turned, and they accelerated right at you and right through you out into the street, and then they got away. That was Monday. Monday, I jump up off the street, right, not knowing, can I walk, can I not walk, what did I break, what I, what I haven't broke, I mean, I broke my leg before, so I know that when you try to get up and try to get out, your body all of a sudden tells you, like, you ain't going nowhere, so I get up, and I start moving out of the one-way street that has traffic in it, by the way, and I get back to the sidewalk, where I assess the fact that my shoulder hurts, my right knee hurts, and then there's that, you know, that pain where, you know, you no longer have flesh, Right, on your elbows and on one of your knees, right? And you're, you're kind of assessing, you know, what, what's really going on. Can I just admit to you that when I got up out of the street and I looked down that one-way street and I saw that old 2000, anybody watching online? It was an old 2000 van that was blue, kind of sunburnt, okay? Driving away, can I just tell you my first instinct? Here's what it was, what a jerk! I didn't say it out loud but I definitely thought on the inside. I made my way over to the sidewalk and I started to really kind of process what was going on. And I'm just gonna tell you right now, the Holy Spirit started reminding me of the series that we're in. And he goes, Jeff, what are you gonna do? Right, are you gonna forgive? How are you gonna respond to this? And then the, it's like the Holy Spirit started ministering to me by telling me and reminding me what condition a person has to be in according to the police, to use a car as a deadly weapon to target another human being. Because that's how they've classified this crime. And the Holy Spirit has started whispering to my heart, church, about the confusion, about the manipulation, about the anger, about the rage, about maybe the mental illness, right? About potentially, uh, you know, demonic influence. All of those things that would go into causing a person to use a vehicle as a deadly weapon, to target a complete stranger. Um, and I, can I just tell you that my heart started growing with compassion? I'm not saying this to make myself look like a superstar. I, I'm going to now use what the enemy meant for evil, and we're going to turn it around and we're going to use it for God's glory. That's what we're going to do today, okay? Because in this world, in this world, there's a lot of hate. And there is a lot of evil. And it exists in this world, and people are gonna hurt people, and you can't stop it. There's nothing you can do to stop it. I just happen to be a person that believes that evil can't kill you. Now, I get it. Like, the definition of kill is my heart stops, I'm no longer on this earth. But the Bible tells me that when my heart stops and I'm no longer on this earth, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I wake up in the eternal presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So... Therefore, evil cannot kill you, all right? But I know it comes in many, many different forms. 
So while I'm standing on the sidewalk, okay, and I'm kind of gathering myself, and I'm kind of bent over a little bit, and I'm, you know, my knee hurts, and my shoulder hurts, and the burning of the, of, of, of you know, flesh gone off my body. Pastor Roger is there, and he goes, hey, hey, man, you okay? And I go, yeah, 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 I think I'm fine. Pastor Roger is our prayer and our care pastor, our pastor that is supposed to be the one full of the greatest amount of empathy and compassion. The example of it for all of us. And then after he finds out that I'm going to be okay, he says, Jeff, you'll do anything for a story, won't you? <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, uh, okay, all right. And that, that's when I realized that offense comes in many different faces. <laughs> offense just doesn't come from a car that targets you. Offense can come from a friend, in a marriage, children. You can be offended at work through a business deal. Unfortunately, there's horrific things like sexual abuse and mental abuse that have happened in some of your past or being attacked or assaulted through violent acts of like rape and murder and you know robbery and being targeted with a vehicle. I just wanna ask you a question today. What are you going to do when it happens to you? How, how are you going to respond, right? How are you currently right now dealing with your current offense that is at a place where it's, it needs to be forgiven, but you just don't know how you're going to get that done? Let me tell you some things that definitely don't work. You can't bury your offense because it just continues to fester underneath the skin, right? Like, I had to get gravel and rocks and stuff pulled out of my skin in multiple places so that it wouldn't stay underneath there and fester, right? And it's the same thing with unforgiveness. You gotta, you gotta deal with it or it just festers underneath there. You, you can't stay angry and bitter forever. It's a fuel. Eventually that fuel, you know, it, it runs dry and you gotta go on to harsher things. You, you can't avoid being offended again because you live on planet Earth with other human beings. You can't continue to retaliate against those who offended you because eventually people are tired of hearing about your complaints on social media, all right? right? And you can't go stand in front of your offender's house and picket them or the business that offended you and picket them because eventually you've gotta go earn your money to pay your rent or your mortgage, your car payment, and your food. And in the end, I just want you to know, if you get justice for the offense that happened to you, great, but that will never heal your offense. Even though you get justice, there's only one way to deal with the offense. There's only one way to deal with the offender. There's only one way, and that's this, forgiveness. Forgiveness is the only option to complete freedom and healing. And by the way, by the way, forgiveness is the only godly way to let an offense go. There is no other way. It's the only godly way. Forgiveness is the only way to truly live unoffendable. So as I stood there on that sidewalk and I got to meet with the paramedics and I got to meet with the police officer, the police officer asked me a critical question. Jeff, are you, gonna, are you pressing charges? And I said, absolutely. There was an injustice done here. But in my heart, I just want you to know today, like when I stood on that sidewalk that day, the compassion of, of considering what would it would take a person to do that overwhelmed my vengeance, overwhelmed my revenge. I've been praying for that person. I've been thinking, God, like, 
bring somebody into their path that can help minister to them, help them process, help them come to a complete restoration and healing. Lord, I, I, like, don't let that person be outside of a relationship with you. May they come to know you, Jesus, and let their life be transformed so that one day they too will spend eternity with Jesus Christ. That's the act of forgiveness at work, church. Okay, and that's part of the healing process for us. Like, these things will heal, but if I never forgive, then my heart never heals. Okay? So you, you, you don't just want the shoulder to heal, you want the heart to heal as well. And don't just take my opinion for it. This is what God's word said about forgiveness in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. It's a little bit of a long passage, but listen to what Jesus says about forgiveness. He says this, Then Peter came to him and he asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Then Jesus goes, so Peter, listen to this story. I think it's gonna help you understand what I mean. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors who was brought in who owed him millions of dollars that he couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything that he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and he begged him, please be patient with me and I'll pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, for he realized, for, and, and he released him, sorry, he released him and he forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and he demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and he begged him for a little more time. Be patient with me and I'll pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and they told him everything that had happened. The king called in the man that he had forgiven and he said this, you evil servant, I forgave you of your tremendous millions of dollars worth of debt but you, because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he could pay his entire debt. This is what my heavenly father, Jesus says, will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and your sisters from the heart. God has a very serious very serious, very practical perspective on forgiveness from one human being to another human being. In fact, when you look at this, you can obviously see that God puts a high value on forgiveness. In fact, the big idea behind this entire passage is this. God forgave you, therefore you must forgive others. In fact, I love what he did here. He, he put it into a monetary context so that we could truly understand our sin in this story was worth millions and millions. I don't know about you, but I would love to have millions and millions, right? Anybody with me? Why not? Why not? Money in itself is not evil. It's what you do with it. So yeah, I'll take millions and millions, right? I mean, look, it's a lot of money, right? It's a lot of money. God says that's your sin, by the way. Your sin is like millions and millions of dollars. Why? It's almost like unfathomable, the value that God says your sin is worth. Why? Because your sin can separate you from an eternity with God. 
But the sin that happens one to another, God put a monetary value on it. And he said, look, it's worth like a thousand. Can I stop for a moment and just ask you from a monetary perspective, what's a thousand dollars compared to millions and millions of dollars? Pennies. Pennies. What is God saying? God's saying this, that our afflictions and our pain and our uh, offense that we create between one another is like pennies compared to the forgiveness of the millions of dollars, in essence, worth of the sin of your life that would keep you from me. The, the sins that happen on this earth are just that, they're temporary. And although we live on this, on this earth for a very short time and very temporal, yes, very painful things are going to happen to you. I'm a walking example of it right now. But God says, I expect something from you. I expect you to forgive, no matter how hard it seems at the moment. I just think that forgiveness is really, truly misunderstood by a lot of people. I think forgiveness is misunderstood by the church and even by Christians many times. Let me tell you some of the things that I think are some of the misnomers about forgiveness, some of the things that confuse people about forgiveness. Forgiveness isn't waiting for time to heal all wounds. Time will never heal all wounds when it comes to the, the emotional, mental, and spiritual condition that unforgiveness harbors inside of your heart. Time will heal my shoulder. Time will heal my knee. Time will grow back skin, but there might be scars. And I might become like my grandmother that freaked me out when I was like eight years old. And she was like, it's going to rain. Grandma, how do you know it's going to rain? My knee told me. <laughs> like, that freaks out a kid. I'm going to tell you that right now. And maybe I'm going to be able to do that for my own grandchildren, right? If I can, awesome. Superpowers. <laughs> right? But so time doesn't heal the offense when you choose to harbor unforgiveness in your heart, though. It doesn't matter how much time goes by. Forgiveness isn't this either. Forgiveness isn't letting the guilty off the hook. I just want you to know today, right? Justice, justice is just that. It's justice for a purpose, right? But you don't have to seek justice out of vengeance or revenge. That's your choice. You can just truly seek justice out of fact. It's a fact. Jeff Baker was targeted with a car and hit and thrown 50 feet. How do I know this? They have video of it. They already told me that they do. Vengeance and revenge aren't gonna do anything. Facts are just that, they're facts. So look, somebody may need to be behind bars for whatever happened to you. Someone may need to be behind bars, but you don't have to put yourself behind the bars of offense. That's a jail cell that you build for yourself. You don't have to live in that. You can choose to forgive, unlock, and move on. There's some other misnomers about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not excusing wrong behavior. It is possible, I'm not talking about a justice thing now, I'm just talking about wrong behavior. It is possible to still call something wrong behavior and forgive. That is possible, okay? Forgiveness isn't being weak either. It's not being weak at all. In fact, it's being strong Strong enough to be Christ-like. That's what forgiveness is. People think that forgiveness is weakness. Like, ah, oh, what are you doing? Are you forgiving that person again? Like, you're just becoming the doormat for them. Like, you're, you're gonna forgive them again? 
Don't be a doormat. Well, I just want you to know, if that's the analogy, that if we forgive its weakness and we become the doormat to humanity, I just want you to know this. The person who is the largest doormat in all of history then is Jesus. If that's the analogy that you want to use. So forgiveness is not weakness. It's strong enough to be Christ-like. Forgiveness isn't the same as reconciliation. Reconciliation takes two people. Forgiveness only takes one person, you. Forgiveness doesn't require a person to say sorry to you or admit that they were wrong. If you're waiting for someone to say sorry or admit that they're wrong, then you're not really acting out in true forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't require anything from the other person. It's all about you, your heart, and what you're going to do between you and God. Lastly, forgiveness isn't a natural response. It's a supernatural response that requires the empowerment of God's strength to help you get through it. I mean, come on. How many of you guys have ever said, husbands especially, you, know, you got a daughter, your daughter's getting ready to go out on your first date, right? And this guy walks into your house or stands on your, your porch. And, and what do you say to that young man? Like, I just want you to know, Mr. Teenager Boy, you hurt my daughter, I'm gonna rip your head off. And then you kind of show him where the shotgun is or you go, ch -ch -ch, get my point? <laughs> How many of you have ever had a friend that got wounded, that got hurt, that went through a painful experience from another human being and you wanted to come to their rescue? You wanted to show that you're a true friend. You're like, I got your back. I'm driving over to that person's house right now and I'm taking them out. How many of you guys have ever thought things like that? Why? Because our natural response isn't forgiveness. It's not our natural response. For true forgiveness to happen, right, you need to have the strength of God's spirit. So can I just ask the obvious question in the room? <laughs> Why can't we stay offended? I, I just wish, I wish in my human nature that we could just stay offended because offense allows me to have a power over someone. At least it makes me feel that way. So why can't we stay offended? And why do we have to forgive? Let me help break that down a little bit. You go to the grocery store and you do all your grocery shopping for a week, maybe two weeks, maybe longer. I have no idea. I don't grocery shop, okay? So I don't know. I, if Kim's out and there's no groceries, my grocery shopping is like to a restaurant and back home, right? Like, hey, thank you for grocery shopping. Now can you make me a cheeseburger? Oh, good, right, great. So I don't know how long you grocery shop for. I just know this, that when my wife comes home with the groceries, I always get brought into this equation. Hey, can you help get the groceries? And when I go to the car, when I go to the car, I'm thinking in the back of my mind, this is a one-trip moment. I'm going to take all the bags I can take, right? All the bags I can take. I think, I think we got a picture of this. It should have been up there. All right. <laughs> delayed humor for you guys. A little delayed humor. All right. But, yeah, you kind of look like that, right? And you're trying to carry everything in one trip. This is a lot like life. We carry a lot of things in life. You carry a lot of weight. You carry a lot of responsibility. But when you hang on to an offense and you, you don't forgive, it's like loading your hands down with a bunch of stuff that now you can't hold on to love. Now you can't hold on to compassion. Now you don't have the margin to hold on to kindness like you want to. It starts to take up space in your mind. It starts to occupy your mind with thoughts that are not like Christ. 
thoughts that have revenge in them, thoughts of actions that you would never live out, but yet they're living around in your mind. You start finding yourself holding imaginary conversations with the person that's offended you when you're sitting on the toilet, driving your car, sitting in your office when no one else is around, and you're holding these conversations like, when I get to talk to that person again, I'm going to say this to them. Like, they're going to hear me. They're going to hear my mind. I'm going to tell them peace of mind. You're having these conversations. It's weird. That's what happens, though, when you hold on to an offense because it starts warping you. It starts changing you. All around you, you start to see your offender, even when they're not there. Things happen in your life, and you're like, it reminds you of the offense that you're carrying, and it warps your emotions, and it causes you to start to think the worst in others, and then you start second-guessing everyone's motives around you, even the people that love you the most, and offense ends up pushing the very people that you need away from you. Our hands are full. We don't have the capacity to carry the Christ-likeness that God wants us to carry. If you don't get that analogy, maybe you'll get this one. I like backpacking. I like hiking mountains. I'm going to do it again. Not like this. But one day I'll do it again. Right? I, when I backpack, I've bought light gear. Like I've gone to the store and I've searched online and I have tracked down some of the lightest gear you can buy. It costs a lot of money, by the way. Right? So that I can carry what I need at the lightest weight possible so I can climb as high as I want to climb without being bogged down. Why? Because I've learned a lesson about backpacks and filling a backpack and going hiking. And this is what I've discovered. Ounces lead to pounds and pounds lead to pain. That's what I've learned. This guy has not necessarily learned that lesson yet. Ounces, man, you want to buy things that are a few ounces because ounces all add up to pounds, and pounds, they lead to pain. Well, your emotions, your mental health, and your spiritual health, they're like a backpack that you're wearing around every single day. And when you hold on to an offense of another person, it's like taking a 100-pound boulder and sticking it in your backpack that you have to carry every single minute of every single day. You can't get away from it. You think, you think you left it in the closet at home. Nope, it's in your backpack. You're carrying it to work today. You, you thought that you left it you know, and the car before you boarded that airplane to go on vacation. But no, you discovered even on vacation the offense followed you there. It's still with you. Right? You thought that you left it in the car when you went to the coffee shop to meet with your friend, but no, it's really, it's in your backpack. I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine what would it be like today, today at New Life, if you took the 100-pound offense out of your backpack and you put it into God's? What, what if you took it out? What if you chose to forgive that person? What if you chose to forgive your offender? What if you chose, what if you chose to let the last thoughts on your mind when you watch the blue minivan drive away, I forgive you. What if you were able to move to that place? Just think with me. I want you to imagine how, how, how much stress would be relieved from your life. I want you to imagine how the, how, how the anger would diminish in your life. I want you to think with me how peace might start to rule your heart. I want you to start to imagine with me, if you took that 100-pound rock out of your backpack and you put it into God's, how healthy your emotions could be, your mental health could be, how healthy your spiritual health could be. Because here's the bottom line. The bottom line is that God wants you to forgive just like he forgave us so that we can be life-giving to others. Amen? 
So let me give you a couple of secrets here. Three secrets to help you forgive when it seems impossible. First one is this, you gotta have healthy expectations. Here's what I mean. People hurt people, right? You may be surprised by what happens, but it's going to happen. Look, I was surprised when I got picked up off the ground because you're in a moment of a violent chaos. You don't know what's going on around you. You just got pressure on you and, and you can see buildings moving. You can hear voices screaming. It's a big surprise. But people hurt people. If you think that people aren't gonna hurt you, then you got a false expectation. You're setting yourself up for the fact that you are going to be in a moment where you can be offended. Bad things happen to good people. You may not see it coming. I didn't see it coming. Came from straight behind me, right? But it's going to happen. Here, here's what I'm trying to say in the bottom line. I'm not trying to say like, hey, look, guard yourself from all people. Look, look we, God put us on this earth to love one another and to help support one another. We sharpen one another. We spur one another on to love and good deeds. It's not to recluse yourself away from people. Here's what I'm trying to say with expectations. Stop putting humans on thrones. Leave the throne for God. When you put humans on thrones, you have a false expectation, that's when you're set up to be wounded and hurt the most. God is the only one who's perfect. He's the only one worthy of being on a throne. He's the only one who's never going to offend you. So when you reduce humans from sitting on thrones, being perfect in everything they do, then when the offense comes, here's what happens. You can weather it better. It's gonna happen, it's gonna be like a storm, but you can get through the storm better. You can see yourself come 360 back to a heart of forgiveness quicker. If you leave humans, a person on a throne, I'm gonna tell you right now, when the offense comes, it's gonna be really hard, really hard to process it. Second offense, second secret though, though to dealing with offense when it seems like it's too hard, is this, that forgiveness is a process. Okay, it rarely, it rarely happens in a one-time act. So if you started the forgiveness process and you're wondering, you know, is forgiveness ran its course? Have I truly forgiven someone completely? Have I done that? Well, maybe you want to evaluate these areas of your life. If you still expect your offender to pay for the wrong, the forgiveness process is not completed in your life. If you still have bitter thoughts towards your offender, it hasn't completed. You may have started it, but it's not finished. If you still seek revenge against your offender, Forgiveness is not fulfill, full, hasn't fully ran its course in your life. If you still want your offender to burn in hell, it's a pretty obvious one, isn't it? Forgiveness has not ran its course. So what do you do? How do you keep walking out the process? We gotta stay on the path of forgiveness. What's the path of forgiveness? Praying a prayer blessing for your offender. That's part of the process. It's not my idea, it's actually the idea that Jesus gave us in Luke chapter six, verse 28. He said, bless those who curse you, and read the last part with me. Pray for those who That's why I chose to start praying for the person who hurt me. Now my hurt's physical. Your hurt might be emotional, might be mental. But I'm telling you, when we pray a prayer of blessing, it's hard to hold offense in your hands when you're praying a prayer of blessing for those who have offended you. Staying on the path of forgiveness as well might mean you know, having pastoral counseling or professional Christ-centered counseling. We offer both here at, at uh, New Life Church. Okay, 
And so if you're in a place where you're having a very hard time forgiving, it seems impossible, and you want to stay on the path, but you're watching some of these warning signs to stay alive in your life, maybe you just need to talk it out with somebody. Maybe you need to get it out from between your two ears and just discuss it with someone that loves you and cares about you and can help you process through your unforgiveness. The last secret I want to give you for how do you process through forgiveness when it seems impossible is this, never forget God gave you first. God forgave you first. Just don't forget it. The Apostle Paul reminds us in a couple places, but one of them is Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. He says, look, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. There's no, there's no options there. He goes, remember, the Lord forgave you. Would you read those last few words with me? So you must forgive others. That's strong language. You gotta make an allowance Make an allowance for somebody that would target you with their vehicle. You, you have to forgive them. Why? Because the Lord forgave me first. Like, look, I'm going to tell you right now, church, to live unoffendable, to live unoffendable, you have to keep in the forefront of your mind, God, you forgave me of the millions. I must forgive others of the thousands. That's why I gave you this bracelet when you walked in. If you have your bracelet, would you just look at it with me for a moment? There's two words on there. One is what? Unoffendable, okay? Unoffendable. But the other one is vitally important. What's the other word that's on your wristband? Forgiven. I want you to use this wristband as a reminder of this series and as a practical application for you, okay? Because we're all gonna have opportunities to be offended because people are people and things are gonna happen. You don't have to be offended but you're going to give, you're given opportunities to be offended. How are you going to process through that? I want you to first and foremost remind yourself, I have been forgiven. I have been forgiven of the millions. So I'm going to forgive of the thousands. That's how I'm going to live unoffendable. I want to live a life unoffendable. And to do it, I have to constantly remind myself, I've been forgiven of the millions so that I can forgive in the thousands. Wear the wristband for a day, for a week, for a month, for a year. Just wear it as long as it takes for this principle to soak into your heart and maybe to help you even process through the offense you're dealing with. I just want to be open and honest with you. We used your tithe money to buy this, and so we went on the cheap. So it's just printed on there. It's not going to last forever. So you better pick up the lesson quick before the ink, the ink goes away. All right? So when you want to lash out at somebody... Remember, you've been forgiven. When you want to take that guy's head off, remember, you've been forgiven. When you want to seek justice through revenge, just remember, you've been forgiven. But when you want to blow up social media with everything offensive about that person, just remember, you've been forgiven. Remember that offense only really hurts one person. It's you. So what I encourage you to do today, drop the stones. That's week one. Drop the stone. Today, take the 100-pound rock of offense out of your backpack, lay it on the altar, and let God take care of it. Don't, don't carry it around with you. And let's make this verse that I'm ending with today kind of like the life verse for our week. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32 says this. Get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of rage. 
Get rid of anger. Get rid of those harsh words that you want to say about that person that's offended you. Get rid of the slander. Get rid of all types of evil behavior like, I'm going to get them back. They're going to pay for this. Get rid of those things. Instead, be kind to each other. Be tender-hearted. Forgive one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Let's let this be our guiding light for this week. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Lord, it's not easy. It's definitely not easy to forgive. It's not natural for us. In our human state, we want payback, revenge, justice. We want someone to experience the pain that they've caused us. Lord, thank you that you modeled something completely different when it comes to the sins of our life, that you choose to forgive us. And many of us have experienced you forgiving us over and over and over. Your grace and your mercy keeps pouring out upon our lives. We don't deserve it, but you keep giving it. You've forgiven us of the millions. Now, Lord, help us to forgive others of the sin that maybe they've caused against us that's like in the thousands. It hurts here on this earth, but it's not going to last forever. Lord, would you give us the strength to overcome the natural and to walk in the supernatural and to forgive when it seems impossible? May we never forget, Lord, that you forgave us so we are supposed to forgive others. Lord, we choose to accept the challenge to live unoffendable lives. Based on one principle and one principle alone, you set us free from our sin. Now, let's set others free from theirs. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.